Welcome to the Shift Gold Friday Gold Wrap, your overview of this week's precious metals news. It's Friday, November 10th. I'm your host, Mike Meharry. Thanks for tuning in. As of Friday morning, gold was up a little over 1% on the week, with several factors weighing down the dollar. In fact, the greenback is on track for its first weekly fall since early October. Growing uncertainty surrounding tax reform weighed on the dollar and boosted gold. The Senate plan announced Thursday had some substantial differences from the House version, most significantly putting off the corporate tax cut for a full year. As I record this, spot gold is at 1285.90, silver is at 1713, and the silver gold ratio stands at 75.26. The World Gold Council released its third quarter demand report this week. You've probably seen the headlines. Gold demand fell to an eight-year low. But when I broke down the data, I didn't see nearly as much gloom and doom as the headlines might indicate. In fact, there are some big positives for gold in this report. The overall fall in demand was primarily due to a steep drop in inflows into gold ETFs compared to last year, along with sagging jewelry demand in India. Indian jewelers are still grappling with the new government regulations, including the implementation of a new tax scheme. But investment demand for physical gold actually grew in the third quarter by 17%. Gold, bar, and coin sales came in at 222.3 tons in Q3. Demand is particularly strong in China. Bar and coin sales were up 57% to 64.3 tons. This continues a year-long trend. So far in 2017, gold bar and coin demand in China is at the second highest level on record. Demand for physical gold in Europe rose by 36% to 45.5 tons in Q3. Germany led the way as demand increased by a healthy 45%. On a side note, non-monetary gold exports in Australia rose 17% in September, an increase of $217 million in seasonally adjusted terms. A lot of that gold is flowing into Germany. According to the Australian Financial Review, Germans purchased gold and silver coins worth almost $487 million from the Perth Mint last financial year, and the trade has boomed on the back of events such as Brexit and the global financial crisis. Over the last 10 years, Germany has established itself as a 100-ton-plus per year market for gold bars and coins. Turks and South Koreans are also buying a lot of gold. Bar and coin demand hit 15 tons in Turkey, almost three times higher than the same period last year. Physical gold demand rose 42% in South Korea, pushed by safe haven buying as tensions between the U.S. and North Korea escalated. I found this insight from the WGC report particularly interesting. Sale of small gold bars, 100 gram and 10 gram, were strong, as investors bought an asset that is light enough to carry and to cash in. So it would seem a lot of Koreans are preparing for the possibility of a barter economy. Meanwhile, U.S. demand for physical gold remained depressed as soaring stock prices continued to dominate the investment headlines. Peter Schiff talked about sagging U.S. investment in gold last summer during an interview at the International Metal Writers Conference. He said American investors are way too optimistic that President Trump and the GOP will fix the economy. This is what Peter said. 
You have the opposite of a bubble in gold. Certainly, if you look at the United States, Americans are buying less gold now than they've done since the bull market began in 1999-2000. Sales from the U.S. Mint have collapsed. At Shift Gold, we had our weakest quarter since the company has been in existence. And it's not just my firm. It's industry-wide. Americans are not buying gold, even though gold prices year-to-date are up more than the S&P 500. But the people who typically buy gold in America vote for Trump, and they're no longer worried about the economy. So they're not buying gold. They're buying stocks instead. And I think they're making a big mistake. They should be selling their stocks and buying even more gold. Central bank gold reserves rose by 25% year-on-year in the third quarter, driven by Russian purchases. We're also seeing growing demand for gold by high-tech industries. The amount of gold used in the technology sector grew for the fourth consecutive quarter. Tech industries consumed 67.3 tons of gold in Q3, a 3% increase year-on-year. So what about the plummeting ETF inflows? Even that isn't as bad as the headlines make it sound. The net flow of gold into these funds remained in positive territory. ETF gold holdings grew by 18.9 tons, but the number suffers from comparison. There was a massive growth in gold ETFs last year. Modest growth this quarter fell far short of the 144.3 ton influx in the third quarter of last year. Meanwhile, gold supply dropped in the third quarter. Mine production fell 1% year-on-year. In other news, U.S. consumer debt increased even more than expected in September. According to data released by the Federal Reserve, total credit grew by $20.8 billion, an annualized rate of 6.6%. It was the largest increase in overall consumer indebtedness since last year's holiday season, and we haven't even gotten into this year's holiday season. Credit card spending helped drive overall consumer debt higher. Revolving credit rose by $6.3 billion in September on the heels of a $5.6 billion increase in August. Total credit card debt in the U.S. has now surged past the $1 trillion mark. This is not good news for future economic growth. Increasing debt levels will likely temper spending and could put a significant drag on the economy. This will become especially acute if the Federal Reserve continues pushing interest rates up. This will increase payments on outstanding debt. As I mentioned at the top of the show, there is increasing uncertainty about GOP tax reform. Congress will have to figure out a way to hammer out differences between the House and Senate versions, and one has to wonder if the Senate will even be able to pass a bill. The Obamacare debacle does not offer much optimism. But there are significant problems with the package even if passed as is, specifically the impact on the national debt. The Congressional Joint Committee on Taxation estimated that the House bill will add nearly $1.5 trillion to the national debt over the next decade. Some analysts say this could push the debt-to-GDP ratio up to 120%. There is evidence that high debt levels retard economic growth. Studies show GDP growth decreases by an average of about 30% when government debt exceeds 90% of an economy. The U.S. debt already stands at 105% of total GDP. Peter Schiff addressed this issue in a recent interview with Investing News Network. Peter said, quote, President Trump has accomplished blowing more air into a stock market bubble that already existed before he was elected, as he rightly identified the market as the bubble as a candidate. But you know, his policies have not altered that. 
In fact, he's now championing the stock market. He's the biggest booster. He's actually claiming credit for the market rising. And I do believe that part of the fuel that has caused the bubble to get bigger is the enthusiasm that Trump will reduce taxes and that these taxes will mean more corporate earnings. And so there's a lot of optimism. But I think the optimism is misplaced because I believe the added deficits that will result from the tax cuts and the increased government spending will do more harm to the economy than whatever benefit we get from paying lower taxes, end quote. Ron Paul also identified a major problem with the GOP tax plan nobody is talking about. It adopts what is known as the Chained Consumer Price Index, or Chained CPI, to determine future adjustment of tax brackets. This formula understates inflation's effect on our standard of living and increases the inflation tax. The inflation tax may be the worst of all taxes because it is hidden and regressive. The inflation tax is not even a tax on real wages. Instead, it is a tax on the illusionary gains in income caused by inflation. The use of chain CPI to adjust tax brackets pushes individuals into higher tax brackets over time. This is a pretty complex and wonky issue, but you can read more about it on the Shift Gold blog. Historically, gold and silver have provided an excellent hedge against inflation. Now is a good time to invest in precious metals before the inflationary effects of monetary policy begin to really show up in the economy. You can learn more by talking to a Shift Gold precious metal specialist. Call 1-888-GOLD-160 today. That's 888-465-3160. Well, that's a gold wrap for this week. You can get more details on all of these stories and more and keep up with the latest precious metals news and analysis throughout the week at shiftgold.com news. If you haven't done it already, subscribe to the Friday Gold Wrap at iTunes for free. There's a link on the show notes page. Thanks for listening, and I'll talk to you again next week.